Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I guess with that, um, and obviously you've got a really great network, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Stop being so arrogant. You're about to have your heart broken. No, sorry. We said 20-year-old self, not 30-year-old. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Boom. <laughs> Boom. I feel like this should be like a podcast episode where every time you hear shots fired, you have to take a drink. Oh, my God. It's, yes. Because <laughs> that's we- all we're doing with each other. All right. Other. New rules. For new anyone rules. listening. Yeah. Also, we just need to like put you on like a wheel and then spin you around. <laughs> okay. Stop being so arrogant is what I'd tell my 20-year-old self. I'd also say you're about to have your heart broken, but fuck, don't waste so many years d- dwelling and crying about it. Um, I'd say please start spending more time with your family and stop trying to impress people because it's not the way you're going to learn to love yourself now. I'm your host, Natalie Drenovac, and this is The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. This is the last episode of season three and of 2019, and all I can say is what a year it's been. I've had the absolute privilege to speak to so many powerful, intelligent, thoughtful, and impactful women. When I reflect back, I honestly feel like I have gained so much knowledge and insight, and personally, I know I have grown so much, all as a result of asking and listening. I truly hope that you also feel the same. Throughout the seasons, I have received plenty of questions, commentary, and laughs from you, and I've absolutely loved hearing from everyone. I've consistently been asked about my thoughts and feelings on my guests and podcasts, generally speaking, so I thought I'd take the final episode to deep dive into that. While I've enjoyed sitting on this side of the mic, listening to and being part of some extraordinary stories, today's episode, the tables are slightly turned as two incredible women who know, love, and challenge me most are leading this discussion. These two women are Farah, my longtime absolute gem of a friend, and Lisa, my supportive and mildly funny wife. They broke today's episode down into three parts. A little about me, a reflective look at how far the Modern Women series has come, and my outlook for what the next chapters will look like. While I am practically an open book, truth be told, I actually do not enjoy talking about myself, just others. But in light of the questions I get asked from you, I figured perhaps it's time to share a little bit more about me, right here, right now, like I've asked so many of my guests to. To close out season three, today's episode is a little reflective, definitely a bit emotional, and of course though there's sex, relationships, and me being the butt of the joke all mixed together. But this episode is also an insight into how I think about certain issues and what the modern women actually means to me. I hope you absolutely love it. 
Is that mm. is that sound better? Yeah, that's way better. Okay, great. Welcome to the sex podcast. Sex cast. Sex cast. Sex cast. Lisa has some deep breathing happening. <laughs> All right, Nat. <laughs> you have to introduce Amp yourself. it up. Amp it up. Do you need a song to get yourself Slow in the mood? Slow songs. This is Skinny Girls. <laughs> <laughs> a bitch. I need tempo. I'm a thick bitch. I need tempo. Pump it up to the tempo. Oh. Pump it up. Pump it up. Guys, thanks so much for um, joining me. And <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for your tempo. Being here, <laughs> being here on my podcast with me, uh, I won't say that you have big shoes to fill, but uh, obviously there is a pedigree. <laughs> a la pedigree. I designed the shoes. <gasps> I don't need shoes. I'm too good. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for interviewing me on my own podcast. Can't Woo-hoo. say I don't find this indulgent, but let's kick it off. Nothing with new my, then. With my rapid fires. <laughs> rapid fires. Are you ready for it, baby? I think so. I hope so. I'm praying. Okay, let's do it. Um, first things first. Uh, how old are you? 29 with 30 just around the corner. Who's counting? No Ooh. one. No one's counting, right? Uh, where did you grow up? I was born in Wetherill Park, but I spent my teenage years in the inner west of Sydney. Do you know where that is? My Sorry, eastern... can we just define inner west? Do you know where that is? My eastern suburbs born wife? West of the QVB. Uh, 60 seconds in and this is amazing. Um, shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> um, have you always identified as gay? No. Despite having actually spent most of my youth sleeping with women, um, I actually didn't say I was a lesbian until I was like 25, which was I think about four months before I met Lisa. Um, I personally hate labels. I find them to be quite limiting. So in short, no. Mm, okay. You also never identified as African. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> Segway. Let's discuss your heritage. <laughs> um, tell us a bit about your cultural background um, and maybe some of your beliefs. Culturally, I mean, I like to tell everyone now that I'm African-European because my mom's from Mauritius and within I did that have quite a genetic mix and makeup because Lisa made me do it and my dad's Croatian. Uh, religiously, I'm a good Catholic gal with a splash of telling everyone I'm also Jewish now that I've married to Lisa. Osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> but do I practice either of them? Absolutely not. Um, but all in all, I'd say I'm more spiritual, although Lisa does try to beat science into me at every turn. I feel like there needs to be a lot more Slavic energy in that response, but, uh, but I'll, I'll let it slide because it's, it's early on. It's I, rapid. I think my good Croatian grandmother loves to have her Jesus things around the house and her, and her, and her crosses. So I ask her every time, does she want me to come to church with her on Sunday and I'll bring Lisa? And she's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> we could unpack that if we want, but another day, hey? Um, okay. How do you want the world to see you? Uh, there's this great Catherine Hepburn quote that I love that goes something like the best time to make up your mind about people is never. And so I'm less focused on how the world sees me and I'm more focused on living a life I'd be proud to remember. Wow. That was a really good way to circumvent the answer. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay. So describe yourself in one word. Can we try and get this one? <laughs> Curious. Good. Ooh, good. I, I even liked what, how she answered it. Curious. What mm. one word would you both use to describe me? Sassy. Mm. Oh, you got it from me. Um, I mean this in the nicest possible way. Complicated. Oh, coming from my wife, thanks. <laughs> Would you prefer simple? Ouch. Wow. <laughs> no, that is shots fired. And All you right. know what? If it came from me, then it'd be even more awkward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final rapid fire. You get on a plane tomorrow. Where do you go and who do you take? 
Uh, I've been having a deep wanderlust lately for Europe in general, but if I had to pick a spot right now, it would be Antwerp in Belgium, followed up by the south of France, and I'd have to take you, Lisa, to be explained later. <laughs> oh, just when you said you, I just looked at you. There was and a I was moment. Like, there was a moment know? where I was like, this is actually going to be the moment she tells me that she's taking me to Antwerp. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right, Farah, I'll let you introduce the themes. Okay, so we've uh, sort of decided to, um, I guess, break it down into, wicker, wicker, break it down into <laughs> three key themes. Um, who is Natalie Drenovac? Can I just say, obviously no one can see this, but Natalie's <laughs> losing her shit on the chair right now. Also literally just did the DJ move. Um, you guys can't see it, it's fine. Uh, part two will also be reflections. Or also what I sort of like to um, call the TMW-ism. And uh, part Are you three will be to my podcast I that am. I need to now incorporate. I am. Yeah, season four, here you come. Trademarked. Um, here we go. And um, part three will be, I guess, outlook and what's next and yeah, hopes and aspirations. So obviously a lot to unpack over the next three themes. But um, are you ready to rock and roll, Miss Natalie over there? Yeah. Mrs. Sweat, Natalie. Sweat, I'm sorry. Sweat palpitations <laughs> coming down my If forehead. that stuff matters to you, Farah, that's yeah. fine. Uh, that's right. No labels. Um, so, Nat, uh, what do you give a shit about? Straight off the bat. I think... Other than I, me. Of course. Sorry. And I me. Sh- I should always yeah. start with that. Um, <clears throat> besides the thruple that I'm now a part of with the two of you, mm-hmm. that is obviously my number one priority. Uh, uh, but in general, what do I give a shit about? Because of this podcast, I say I have and give a huge shit about shifting the role of women in equal parts, in equal partnerships with men. Um, outside of that, I really give a shit when I feel like people are being treated lesser than another. But like, I mean, that's on a very micro scale versus if you start to go into like, I care about world issues, et cetera, et cetera. They are the core fundamental things that I cannot ever understand when someone treats someone atrociously. Yeah. And I guess you want to like intervene at that point. That's Absolutely. how much you give a shit about it. I cannot handle bullying. I find it disgusting. And I'll most, I, I would say I have always stuck up for people if I see it happening. It's true. I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you prefer friendships with men or women? 100% I would have said men usually. And then this year I've had this like array of incredible women that have walked into my life and it has just been the best. Okay. Uh, Does it always have to be 50-50 in a relationship? What does that even mean? Well, I mean, we've been together for four years and you don't even know how to make the bed yet. Uh, Don't need to talk about our relationship. I meant the concept of 50-50 in general relationships. No, I I just... You can talk about our relationship (laughs) if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I personally think 50-50 is absolute bullshit. I think emotionally, financially, even house chores. Um, I think what I've learned with our relationship, because it's my core relationship, (laughs) is that you should at least have honest communication to ensure you're on the same page. And so that you're in an agreement of something versus a resentment building and not an understanding. But in general, I think sometimes you can be 80-20, you can be 70-30, or you can be 100 to none. That's my personal opinion. Whereas I used to think in a relationship I had to be a certain someone for the other person and it would have to be 50-50. Oh, okay. So I guess you really value your relationships. Absolutely. Like, and um, how do you feel about the people or particular people like your parents, your step-parents listening, listening into the series? What about uh, your exes? Ooh. 
Um, How much to unpack? <laughs> I actually don't think my parents listen. Um, I'm certainly not doing it for their approval or their merit or anything like that, but I think they're <coughs> proud of me. I think my stepmom listens. Um, I do love that, and I try not to filter myself. Um, there are moments, though, where I'm like, ooh, okay, how might she take that? But it wasn't until I was at the back end of season one and Lisa and I were over for lunch, and she sat down and goes, yeah, so um, your podcast, this episode, and I just like looked at Lisa and was petrified and was like, Oh no, what have I said? She what quoted have I one done? sentence verbatim and we were like, wow. Yeah, she quoted <laughs> hey, a sentence. She was like, oh, that's not how I saw your childhood. And I was like, um, well, I guess uh, perspective. Um, pass I guess, the beans? Yeah, I was like, this is <laughs> could I have another glass of red, please? Anyone? <laughs> and my exes, I mean, like, let's be honest, I have no idea if they'd listen. And if they did, again, perspective, I'm sure the way I remember the end i was going to say demise end of my relationships demise. is very different to how they would but there's like, two sides of the story and then there's the truth th- exactly i think i told you that don't i say that <laughs> i don't think you invented that yeah but, I but think you can I, try claim it but i think i always tell you that and you can try like, no but this is the truth because it's my perspective yeah. that's, that's that's our relationship right there you said that you you know you don't seek your parents approval for anything uh, is that just in general you've never been that sort of person uh, I feel like uh, with enough therapy and with enough interesting uh, personal development work, you finally get past looking for your parents' approval. I definitely seek your dad's approval. You definitely do. You love my parents. <laughs> no, like I, I absolutely want my parents to be proud of me, but I will not fundamentally do something or have a career or live a certain way just because it might make them happier. Like I am fortunate that at least my parents are like, hey, you do what feels good for you. You know, you do what's making you happy. And I've got to say, when I start to see other people not have that, it really makes me be like, wow, I'm really grateful. Okay. So I guess with that, um, and obviously you've got a really great network, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Stop being so arrogant. You're about to have your heart broken. No, sorry. We said 20-year-old self, not 30-year-old. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Boom. <laughs> Boom. I feel like this should be like a podcast episode where every time you hear shots fired, you have to take a drink. Oh, my God. It's, yes. Because oh, that's we, all we're doing with each other. All right. Other. New rules. For new anyone rules. listening. Yeah. Also, we just need to like put you on like a wheel and then spin you around. <laughs> okay. Stop being so arrogant is what I tell my 20-year-old self. I'd also say you're about to have your heart broken, but fuck, don't waste so many years d- dwelling and crying about it. Um, I'd say please start spending more time with your family and stop trying to impress people because it's not the way you're going to learn to love yourself, Nat. That's actually quite sweet. I actually kind of think that's what I'm telling my 30-year-olds. <laughs> okay. Um, so other than when we're throwing shade at you, when have you felt the most empowered as a woman? I don't think there's been a moment I've felt empowered. Um, Doing this podcast, though, continuously reminds me of the power of women and it continues to make me excited to be a woman. Like, despite all this banter and jokes that we talk about with male privilege and entitlement and how simple and great they have it to a degree, I love being a woman. And outside of that, I always think that when you express your vulnerability as a woman to me is when you are in a truly powerful moment. And I think that a powerful woman in my mind has translated into someone who is honest with themselves and freely expressive in that. But what about you? Like what, when do you feel empowered? What is it like you get a new haircut? Is it, you've just, you know, figured something out. You've just recorded a podcast. You've just had sex. Like, what is it? When do you just, you know, walk down the street and go, fuck yes. All of the above. (laughs) No, but like absolutely egotistically, I was speaking about with this, this with you earlier, Farah, Mm. like when I'm taking care of myself, I feel like I can then take on the world. When Mm. I put effort into presenting myself, like I'm 
pretty low key, I would say, about like, you know, hair, makeup and all low those other bits. I'm, yeah, I'd say I'm pretty low maintenance. But in general, I would say that if I'm like putting that little bit of oomph into, I don't know, myself that day, it makes me feel like I'm a lot more empowered. But that's not to me what being a powerful woman's all about. As much as like being honest with myself is when I'm like, oh, okay, I feel like a powerful woman. So on that then, when have you felt the least empowered or least powerful as a woman? Uh, so what takes your power away? So I've, I've, I, I imagine this is kind of in polarity with a man. Well, this is at least how I interpret you have that question. No, but, but yes. Well, this is how I interpret that question. But I would say I've never felt intellectually disempowered as a woman, but the physical aspect of disempowerment is something I do try to contend with in general. Um, for example, I once had a <clears throat> quite close relative in my life put his hands around my neck um in a public environment where he then onwards proceeded to deny it even though people were telling him he had done that and so I think that because in life I can generally move on quite quickly I didn't realize actually the impact that had on me and the way that that made me feel and so I would say that was a moment where I felt really quite disempowered and also then the disempowerment of having to prove the truth of it just because someone is filled with shame and denying it to themselves. So that sort of violation against you. Yeah, you like feel that simple idea of someone taking away your right, I think is horrible. And the simple fact that he did it solely because I made a joke at his ego's expense um, further reinforced the utter fucking stupidity of it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's sad that that happens to so many women. Yeah, and like I, I am grateful that there was that was the extent of it, but it is certainly a moment where you're like, oh, okay. And I think, yeah, you, you, you all, you know, um, you were saying, you know, how you, you actually really give a shit about being able to intervene and stand up and fight for that. Yeah. And then when that power, power sort of switched on you, you sort of, it, yeah, it's actually so consuming. Like you can be so confident and so empowering in yourself, but when that moment happens to you, it's it's just it's like terrifying yeah and also just the simple fact that like afterwards you're debating whether or not it happened and it's like there's no debate here it is a yes or a no and when five people are telling you it was a yes your no is insubstantial yeah can you tell the courts that let's keep let's keep moving forward yeah this interview forward huh no um so i guess you know with the series if you've obviously had an incredible array of guests um both um female and male um appear as part of the series and i guess um yeah if you could live a day in one of your guests if you could live a life um of one i can't even say this sentence cut it out um so i guess if you could live a day in the life of one of your guests um which one which one would it be? Or there will be no edits to that. There will be no edits to, to, to that, that. Okay. To that of a All right. Let's just go back to the remix. <laughs> remix. Wicka wicka. Still doing the hand action. Okay. Um, honestly, there are aspects I love about all of my guests, and I think that there are certain bits where I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be so cool? Because I think when I interview most of them, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I wish I had that aspect of them. Yeah, but pick one. I was going to continue, <laughs> my dearest darling, to say uh, I would probably pick Thomas Page McBee. Because he Can you remind like, everyone who that is? Yes, I was about to. Wow. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Take a European shot. roast. Yeah, I'm so drunk already. 
<laughs> the ironies were all sipping on sparkling yeah. water. Um, he was my guest. Who was the f- he was the first trans man to box at Madison Square Garden. And I think that as much as you can theorize something, you can learn about something, you can investigate, you can research, the sheer idea of waking up in a body that you don't feel is your own would certainly teach you a huge lesson in understanding someone else's life experience. And also the thing and one of the main aspects why I wanted to interview him was, you know, again, we talk about male privilege and he was socialized as someone who could actually understand it. And he started to see the perks of being a man and the challenges, sure, but the benefits that came along with that. And I just figure like it would be wild, like even the three of us sitting around here being like, oh, men, you know, have it easier with X. But then to actually experience and, and feel that difference, I think would be quite interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Um, so what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, <laughs> I can't say that I am a huge person who gets embarrassed. And Do you want to expand on that, Farah? Yeah, I feel like we need to like just totally jump in here and like preface this with, so if you know Nat, you know that she actually doesn't ever get embarrassed about anything and she's one of those rare people actually by rare I feel like there's no one else like her but in that she will actually get really revved up in a you know I guess when when normal people and I use normal in the inverted commas sort of sense but would normally feel embarrassed or a bit shy about something Nat actually kind of wields that into the into her own power and absorbs it yeah she really absorbs it and runs with it and we actually have this kind of running in joke that's um she likes to really like egg it on and we love we love to egg her on when she does it but she doesn't really um she doesn't really get embarrassed so I'm actually really interested to hear what she just gets more confident yeah her confidence goes through the roof it's like it's like a I love her. Anyone who's listening to this is like, wow, that nut chick sounds like a dick. (laughs) It's all with a smile and a laugh though. No, exactly. But I, I, I stopped getting embarrassed when I was younger. And you know, when you get drunk with your friends and then the next day, there's always that girlfriend who's like, oh my God. And last night, do you know what you did? And I used to get, again, I, I did get at one point in my life embarrassed. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm just, every time someone's like, oh, this is what you did. I'm like, yep, it is. Take it, claim it, own it. Because my embarrassment can only come from your judgment and humor and, you know, at my expense. Yes, that was me in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> that definitely only happened when I was younger. It definitely doesn't happen yeah. anymore. I'm never embarrassed as an adult. No, for things <laughs> I did when I was drunk. No. So what, you've, like, you've never had a moment where you were like, like so no. consumed by embarrassment? Or no, like you even, felt- even when I was in New York studying acting, I got up one time and we had to do a monologue and I stood there and, whether or not I hadn't learnt the lines or whatever it was. And I just stood there in front of, I'd say, 60 people. And I remember thinking, don't even walk off. Don't blink. Just be here and hold and hold the space, even though I forgot my monologue. Like, <laughs> like I just was like, no, I'm not going to lose. <laughs> and do you think that comes from um, your, Mauri- your Mauritian mother or your Croatian father? Oh, I don't know. That's like my stoic... No, my dad is steadfast <laughs> and things like that. But I think like there are times he does get embarrassed. Well, I don't know. I just kind of take it in and I'm like, whatever, don't be embarrassed. Just keep rolling with it. Just just, mm. just stand there in silence and it'll yeah. just go away. Embrace this experience. <laughs> All right. What's the biggest secret that you've never told? I feel like I should preface this by saying that I'm really good at keeping other people's secrets. But when it comes to myself, it's like I have verbal diarrhea Mm. and I'm like, why kind of go, well, why is something a secret? So I don't know if I've never, the biggest secret I would have probably ever kept would have been my, like my sexuality when I was younger. And even now there are certain people that I've been with, but you know, of course they're all straight, happy and married that I don't talk about. Happy and married? Huh? What? 
I don't talk about them now because it's not my secret to tell, even though it is a part of my secret in life. But I don't know. Every time I get an inkling of a conversation, I always think we all have these little things that we're embarrassed about. And I always kind of go, well, if I share first, it gives you the space to share with me your stories and I'm not going to judge you for them. So, it is true. It yeah. Is true. So I just think, why keep secrets? Like, what are we? Like, I'm not a CIA agent. You know, Lisa's like, like, nothing... Lisa's like, what secrets? <laughs> yeah, see, our secrets <laughs> become our trouble secrets. Hey, yo. So sorry for anyone who was hoping to hear one of Nat's secrets. Thoroughly disappointed. Yeah. Moving on. No embarrassment, no secrets. Sorry. To be, nothing to, nothing to spilled. To actually be fair, the only thing I think there would be a secret about is I don't think any of my high school friends listen to my podcast. But it's more like there are so many secrets within that interwebs of high school that it's like, oh, if I started sharing those, it would just be like a, you know. Oh, what a tumultuous like time though, right? There's yeah, so much Just like drop that, that in, the middle of a, in the middle of a good bunch of women. So if anyone is listening who did go to high school with Nat, can you slide into my DMs and chat with me? <laughs> we'll uncover some things. Um, I guess ahead of your series um, and all the interviews that you've been doing, you're obviously doing a lot, a lot of research. Um, well, Hopefully you're doing a lot of research. Um, but no, I guess uh, what, what, what sort of website, so how do you get your, your media fix? According to my iPhone, every week it tells me how my usage has gone up on Instagram, <laughs> which is so embarrassing, hey? Um, Why research. is it embarrassing? You don't get embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. What's well, only embarrassing if someone... If Objectively, it's embarrassing. Objectively, yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. One might perceive that as being an embarrassing, embarrassing. thing. Um, favorite websites. Uh, I have my favorite naughty websites, but in terms of research, I I actually don't like have a favorite website that I go down. Like If I have a guest, I will scroll the deep interwebs to find try, try to find out information about them. But otherwise, I actually learn... People will laugh at this, but like you see a lot of stuff on Instagram now. I hate, I don't really go on Facebook, but like on Insta, you kind of go from one person to the next person and then you're, you know, 700 Instagrams deep in someone else's life and four hours in. And so you like stalking? Uh, I don't know. I would call it research. I I didn't use the word stalking. Fine line. Fine line. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, what do you wish you knew more about then? The other day I had a friend say, I love going to dinner parties now and dropping either politics, uh, anti-vax or climate change into a conversation and so i think on like a very was that me no (laughs) (laughs) sounds like something i'd say you mean your wife (laughs) and then leave (laughs) i think at this point in time i wish i understood more about politics vaccinations and climate change so i could actually offer a considered opinion when in debate about those things because if i don't really understand something i've kind of gone hey probably don't just offer a random opinion to have someone throw a fact back at you. I think that's a good piece of advice to anyone else out there listening. But outside of those clickbait topics, uh, I would want to learn more about different women um, and different women in different cultures and how they're operating within each of those cultures and then to learn from those individual experiences like as a broader topic. So I guess flipping that, what would you want to know less about? People's unsolicited opinions or advice. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're interviewing you, okay? Come on. (laughs) I've I've welcomed this into my life. No, you have. You have. And I think, yeah. People giving you their two cents. So many Thanks, never asked. (laughs) She's like, I have so many dollars. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Never asked for that unsolicited opinion. Next time you're thinking about it, please keep it to yourself. I also think it's a great thing to throw when people are do offer those to you it's like oh thank you so much i never requested that unsolicited opinion is it like when people tell you to do your hair ouch oh (laughs) Oh. 
Shot. It's okay. I've been living with that um, since my mother when I was younger. I had really curly hair and then one day she chopped it all off. And I was like, why? She's like, you never brushed it. And then when I had curly hair and she would comb it, she's like, and I'd scream and she'd be like, well, there's not. Suffer fashion. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like I don't really know if that's the way we should be telling me at four. Yeah. <laughs> I just learned how to walk. God damn it. Yeah. I just want to have a drink. Is that okay? <laughs> Can I have a snack? <laughs> uh, and look, I guess... You know, anyone that knows you, you're extremely um, interested in, in getting to know other people and not just surface. You're very deep about that. And I guess, where do you think that comes from? I feel like I've always been fascinated by human behavior and what makes us do what we do and choose the things that we do. But I would say it got super amplified when I studied acting because when you have to dig and investigate into someone else's life, you have to understand the choices that they're making. And likewise, you have to find empathy with why they made that choice because you're told as an actor that you should never judge someone else's character. You should never judge the character you're playing, I should have said. So, you know... Um, you so the opposite quote. of real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that um, something that's like sort of inherently come from your family? And like To not... To be curious. Yeah, no, but as in to, um, to be forging those kind of relationships... No, I would say absolutely not. I would like, I'm so different to my brother and my sister. Like if I, even as you were saying that, I'm like thinking about the four members of my, you know, immediate family. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Like I'd say I'm quite invasive at times with people. <laughs> if you're in my close friendship groups, I've probably asked you some inappropriate questions. So on that note, <laughs> uh, on the note of invasive questions and, you know, inappropriateness. general inappropriateness. <laughs> The question we're all wanting to know is why must you always talk about sex? Who is we all are wanting to know? Everyone. When I, when I went out <laughs> to people and I asked, what do you want to hear about, you know, Natalie Drenovac? That. Why must you always talk about sex? I don't know. I, it, it Think back to your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, when did, Freud. It, when did it first stem? <laughs> we'll charge you by the hour. Um, I don't know, but it excites me, it enthralls me, and then it equally like really calms me at the same time. And so I don't think it's as simple anymore as I've kind of gotten further into reading and researching and uncovering is the word I should use here. Um, but I don't think it's just about sex. I really like talking and understanding people's dynamics, their relationships, their the way they communicate, like in, a, in, in someone's relationship, and also like people's desire. Because I kind of go, men in general don't feel shame or get shamed about sex or their desire. I don't think in, I don't think as much as women do. And so I'm always kind of going, well, fuck this. What about us women? Like, do we edit our desires to suit our partners? I know many friends who do that. And then outside when of that. When you say that, you mean like, that was great. Thanks, babe. I also came. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Said every straight woman once. Yeah. <laughs> But, but honestly, so the other day I heard on a podcast a woman talking about what season of your sexuality are you in? And it made me think, why aren't we talking more about and exploring our sexualities more? Because, I mean, divorce rates are pitiful and cheating is absolutely rampant. So are we not communicating well enough about what we actually want, which is leading to all of these things? Or are we just living in a social construct where it's not what we're truly desiring, but we're doing something because we think we should. And so when I start asking people about sex, I'll always throw in a random question and I just find it funny. Like you can learn about someone so much and I find it really, really good. 
And so where do you, like, do you try and research any of this or do you like listen to podcasts or listen to any like figures or read any books about this? Like, do you, do you, do you, you um, feed that curiosity? (laughs) So yes, yes, I do. Um, I think there are many books that I read. There is currently one on this dining table, which obviously is what's wrong this question. But like, so there's a book called The Ethical Slut. And it's not about being a slut like people think, but it's about the idea of how relationships have evolved and how people are communicating in a better way that we're having deeper connections, I guess you could say. Or I love Esther Perel. Anyone who listens to this podcast will know. I think Esther Perel is absolutely incredible and the way she talks about relationships and communication. And she's a relationships coach, I guess you could say, but like it's on a totally different level. I think she's incredible. And she's French. And she's French. Very so her sexy. accent is even more beautiful <laughs> when she's explaining You're like, it. well, if she's French, she must be right when it yeah. comes to sex. Yeah. She has a great... They invented enthralled. it. You're yeah. enthralled. Which leads you to, she has a great TED talk. And so I watch a lot of TED talks and then I have just been finding podcasts or like the book, The Ethical Slut, that was suggested to me by someone who in his relationship, he's go, he said to me, hey, I've read this twice. And I said, oh, so do you do any of this? Do you have an open relationship? And he's like, no, absolutely not. And I was like, well, clearly you have a desire considering how much you're telling me about this book and all these other ba- bits. But he's like, yes, but I can't say that to the person. So, you know, potato, potato. I just think sex is really interesting. And I kind of go. What's yeah. your view then on the relationship between sex and relationships? Uh, Curveball. S- ooh, yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh. I would say that I think they can be two different things. I think that. Um, you can have a relationship that fulfills 100% of your needs, wants and desires, but you could also have a 2% of a desire to explore sex in other things. And something that I've kind of been having conversations with you about recently, Farah, is how in life someone might bring out an aspect of you that you may not have or cultivate in your prime relationship. And so... I just feel like there can be a difference. And I think a lot of people go, oh, I couldn't be in an open relationship because I would get jealous. But since when did monogamy become the cure for jealousy? Yeah, I think we get to explore so many different relationships in our lives, be it friends, partners, everything. But sex is very tied down to the one relationship. Yeah, and there's a lot of ownership that comes with that. And like, you know, so for example, I had a friend the other day who he's just gotten engaged and because I've been, this is obviously top of mind with the books I've been reading. I said, oh, so are you both monogamous? And he said, oh, well, I mean, I try to introduce other things, but she doesn't want that. So I guess that's the way it's going to be. And so for me, I go, well, why aren't we communicating? So it's not always that I'm saying, hey, people should have open relationships. That's not what I mean. I just think that communication could be better because perhaps when you have a desire, you aren't then stifled or think that what you're after is incorrect or wrong or there is judgment placed upon it. And I think that the more we speak about sex, the more people are starting to see that like, oh, you think this too or you want this also. And that's the bit I think is fun when people start to engage. So circling back to why you like talking about sex so much, you think it's because there's so much to talk about? Yeah, there's so much and there's so much we don't talk about and it's forbidden and it's naughty and... I don't know. I don't have a filter and I don't get embarrassed. So I think when you match those two things together, <laughs> it's a terrible is, time. <laughs> sex, sex is obviously the, you know, the end result of that equation. But Look you're right though. I think with the, with the communication, it's like, yeah, you know, it's not about necessarily having an open relationship or not every, not every relationship has to be an open one, but having that conversation 
and then, you know, figuring it out for yourself. We've discussed yeah. that. Figuring it out for yourself. Is that actually something that I want to pursue or is it just about having that conversation with yeah. that other person? And like Esther says, monogamy used to be one person for life. Now it's one person at a time and how people go into relationships and they don't know what they're agreeing to until they're like six months in and they're intertwined, but they haven't actually gone, well, this is the other part of myself and this is how I want to express myself. And then they're so worried their partner will leave them. And look, I don't know. I just really like talking about sex. So if you want to chat about sex, my inbox is open to you. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to wrap up theme one, which was who is Natalie Jonovac. I think we've, brought, we've got a pretty good um, idea yeah. about who you are. Um, likes talking about sex, doesn't get embarrassed. Is that yeah, that's pretty much the summation yeah, and of it. A social stalker. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Not in a nutshell. So, Not in a nutshell. So my question in all of this, I guess, and it's something that you and I have perhaps spoken about a lot in the terms of like what is the role of expertise um, when talking about certain issues. So, do you feel that you're qualified to have an opinion on the rave issues that you cover? Yes or no? I think I, I think I could have an. I think I can have a discerning opinion on. An array of issues that I cover, yes. Okay, why? Well, I think that I wouldn't ever say that I'm an expert on something, but I think that at least now if there was a topic that came up and it happened to pertain to one of my guests, I do know that I do so much research for my guests that I could at least offer an opinion and equally I would know when to not offer my opinion and to freely say, hey, I can't or I don't understand enough about said topic. Whereas in you know, today's social media world, people are kind of offering opinions like confetti on a wall. And it's a bit like, hey, when you don't know something, it's really good to actually say, not me, not today. So there are people out there offering opinions on these topics that you think should just pipe down or that they, they're not qualified to have opinions on this, on women's issues or? I find it tough to answer this question solely because I think in general, we should always say everyone's opinions matter. However, um, equally. So this is then the next part that I've certainly learned. Um, does a rocket scientist hold the same weighted opinion if they were surgically operating on someone like a doctor does? No. So I do think there are things in life where you should pipe down and where you don't have any kind of authority or merit to comment on a topic. Whereas when someone is, let's say as a doctor in the expertise and that's their field, then yes, their opinion weighs more than another. Um, I got it from Ricky Gervais where he talked about feedback and he said, you know, when someone offers me feedback on Twitter, someone always says, why do I not get offended by it? And he's like, well, imagine you're walking down the street and a random homeless person starts yelling out, you're a total dickhead. And he's like, cool, man, thanks. You keep walking. But when someone says it to you in kind of social media land, we take it on like it matters when really they're just keyboard warriors. It's true. You know, I've always told you about this Sam Harris, how he says, you know, we wouldn't go ask the Taliban for their view on physics. There are yeah. certain people that just, they may have an opinion on physics, but it, it holds no weight. Yeah. So I think like you start to, that's what I mean by the discernment, like you kind of go, well, do I, can I offer something here or is this actually not my space and perhaps I should take a moment and listen. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Tony Abbott should have definitely taken then that <laughs> advice when he started commenting about women's issues and about being the minister for women. You know, like I think, I think there are situations like that where there are people who are so clearly outside the circle of people who are appropriately able to talk about something. Yeah. I would look at when it comes to women's issues, I feel like the people who should kind of hold the most weight are women experiencing the issues that are being debated and spoken about for sure. Yeah. And like actually do the legwork and branch out from what your opinion is. Research. You know, research is a powerful tool. Also taking a sidestep 
is actually quite empowering as well to be able to learn something. What is it in science? You have the null hypothesis and you go out to disprove yourself. Yeah, exactly. I just it's a really good approach sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess we're going to move into part two now, part two of um, which is reflections. So uh, why did you start the series, Nat? The idea came for it when Lisa and I were traveling through Europe and I obviously started to see a variety of women living with different experiences and I kind of kept on wondering with all the changes that are happening for women, what is it to be a modern woman of today? And so generously, because I wanted to share these women's stories, but selfishly because I wanted to learn and I wanted to understand for myself what it was to be a modern woman personally. And so the sharing stories and experiences that may be out of our line of sight line came from me wanting to always ask at least the more private questions of someone than what I tended to see in those kind of biographical style interviews, because I'm not really interested in that surface level stuff as I think has been shared enough. I will (laughs) dig deep. My stance is I will ask a question. You have absolutely no, like if you don't want to answer it, you never have to, but why should I not ask a question? So I just wanted to kind of uncover. And so as the series has evolved, that's kind of how it all began at the initial. So obviously with the series, um, you've got the anonymous episodes, which Mm -hmm. um, have probably, they're probably some of my favorite episodes. I also just love not knowing who the people are and just, you really get to open up and people get to really hear, hear people's true opinions. Can you talk about that and why that was important? Has that surprised you? Yeah, I didn't know that people would love them as much as I love them. But for me, the anonymous one came about because I wanted to break the mold that just because someone is known for something or has succeeded in one area, like we were just saying, doesn't mean that their opinion or anything should be held in any higher esteem than any other woman. And so... You mean on other things or on the thing that they've succeeded on? On other things. Okay. Whereas what we tend to do, I find these days, is that someone is famous And then they offer an opinion and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's the holy grail. And for me, like some of the most profound and deeply juicy conversations I have are with friends or with friends of friends. And I kind of go, well, is this not what we're missing in the more public sphere? And so it happened when we were, happened to be on a boat and yes, we were a bit drunk and we had a lot of our friends were just sharing things. And I guess, like I said, I'll either ask the question or I'll just keep prodding and prodding or I don't know, perhaps because I'm not judgmental, people do feel like they can share things with me. And Lisa and I were talking about that afterwards and it was just like, well, how can we create a platform where that opinion and that voice can be heard, where people are talking and sharing? And I just kind of think that with women in general, there are struggles, there are frustrations, there are desires that we all, there's a common thread. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, how can I weave that through a conversation on a podcast platform? And I absolutely love them. Is that why you do the themes to no, that, weave through concepts or? Yeah. Well, I think that you kind of have to have a through line when you're doing an episode, but I generally speaking will find my guests um, and then I'll be like, Hey, what matters to you? Just to at least gauge their opinion on certain things. Um, and then I'll, you know, start to map out what will be that theme and then continue and continue and continue Keep building on that. Yeah. But they, do, I can't just say that it's like, Oh, this is this main thing I want to talk about. Like a lot of this podcast comes down to, I'm like, I'm curious about X. Let me go do that. You know, I can't say that heaps of it is super planned out because it's not a lot of it's based on my instinct and wanting to try something, which is what anonymous was about. Like my editor was like, I hate this format. And I was like, Hey, I love it. So I was like, I really want to try it. So I just kept on going. All right. So what is a modern woman to you? 
whatever she wants to be and with the capacity to always be evolving so she can freely express herself at all times. Good thing you have that succinct because it would suck if you have a podcast called The Modern Women and you couldn't have a good one-liner <laughs> for that. You should write that one down. Okay, yeah. would you describe yourself as one then? I would hope so. I think like what happened in Europe was I actually started to use the hashtag The Modern Woman and I thought, oh, wow, that seems so indulgent and stupid. Yes. But I only put it... <laughs> <laughs> people wonder why i feel confidence because i've been around lisa and you i just gotta keep amping myself up. <laughs> um but i just kept on being like well what do i think a modern woman is and i was like well i freely express my sexuality or i say this or i try this or i keep evolving and i keep changing and so that's why my opinion of a modern woman is that so yeah i would hope i am all right is there anyone in your life close to you right now that doesn't embody your idea of a modern woman Tread carefully. <laughs> There's this uh, good friend, Farah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I would say that all the close women in my life and friendship circles would be, they would all be pretty succinct in themselves. Like I think a lot of the women in my life are at that point where they, I think the areas of life that challenge them, they're kind of working through them, but I wouldn't be like, oh no, that woman isn't. But I do find that through this episode and show, I should say that a lot of people will come up to me and start telling me how they don't like being a feminist. And I'm a bit like, it's not like a heavy-handed feminist kind of podcast show, but I'm always like, why do you not want to be a feminist? Do you not want equality? So, you know, I've had a few people be like, I'm a conservative feminist, and I'm like, what does that mean? So it seems like from what you're saying that you're saying most women are the modern woman. Most women sort of, you know, take that on in some form. I feel like there might – I'm sure that there are some women who feel like they're not being their true selves and they're not feeling like, you know, they do something and they wish that they could do the like the opposite – and so that's unfortunate, but I'm saying like for me, the women in my life certainly are, I feel, being quote unquote modern women, or at least not we're in an era where you're at least allowed to uncover what it is to be a modern woman for yourself. Did, sorry, do you think it's about um, being comfortable? I don't know. Maybe it's just because I feel comfortable to explore those things that that's what I think. But then I, what happens for me is I have moments where when I am in conversation with certain women and I realize other people go through certain challenges that I've never had to experience face. And so I could sometimes go, Oh, why don't you have this confidence? But I haven't lived their experience. So yeah, I don't, I would say probably not. It's not just about being comfortable, but it's about at least trying to understand who you are. Maybe. Would you ever interview someone who, when you met them or what you know about them, you think they do not embody what you call the modern woman? It would depend on the purpose of why I would ever interview them. I don't think you should always give a platform to everyone if an opinion can be harmful um, to like a broad audience. Um, but I, I think with everyone, I'm, I, I'm happy to be challenged, but not if it doesn't kind of reside with the purpose and primary message of moving the voice of women forward. Absolutely not. Like what's the fucking yeah. point? We've had enough hindrance in now in our history to why would we do that? Yeah. Let's build that bridge. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I guess when have you felt most, um, ignorant? Nah. I uh, generally speaking, every interview I'll be like, wow, I've no idea about, you know, X or yeah. Z. Um, most of the time though, I would say I've been most, I was most, <laughs> look, before I interviewed Thomas, I had no idea. And, it's probably not great to admit that I had, I didn't know anyone who was trans. I've never had anyone in my life who's been trans. And so that's also what intrigued me. I was like, how can I living in this world and I feel like I am decently intelligent 
not understand what that is about. Why do I not know about it is what challenged me most with him. And so the more I sought to uncover that was because I wanted to, um, uh, is better my ignorance? Uh, uh, remove it? Become yeah, remove, less ignorant? Yeah. <laughs> look at, see, Be look less at, ignorant. Look at me. Decently intelligent. <laughs> Become <like>. learned. <laughs> <laughs> Skilled. <laughs> In my craft. <laughs> Next. <laughs> You're like, okay. Um, well, I guess, I guess on that, you know, has there been someone that you've been quite anxious to interview or is there any time that you've had sort of, I don't know, have you felt intimidated to interview anyone during the series? Most of the time when I interview the older women, I am generally intimidated because I know I'm so out of my depth and also all of them have had such illustrious and impressive and incredible careers and they've also gone through, they've gone through the challenges that I have no idea about and I want to learn about. And so I do feel out of my depth with them, but they're also the ones where I'm like, wow, I could learn so much here and I could really squeeze so much juice out of it. Do you yeah. think we should be doing that more? Like as younger women, we should be actually engaging with those who have gone through it and trying to understand. Absolutely. Like there's mentorship and stuff, but I mean just day to day having more friendships, conversations with women that are in a different generation to us. Definitely. Like I was recently just sharing how, I'm so um, enthralled and attracted to older women because there's also so much in them that I feel like you, they get to this point where they've stripped away most of what they're intimidated about or what they're um, not intimidated about. Um, their insecurities is what I meant to say. Like they've, they've stripped away those insecurities. They've either gone through hardships. So they're at a point where they're like, fuck this. I'm actually going to be who I am without all of your opinions, you know, layering and changing the way I'm going to be in this world. And so I think for sure you can learn so much about from someone who is 10 years, 20 years ahead of you because they've had that, they've had the experience and then they've had the time to then place perspective on it to then allow wisdom and guidance to flow. Hmm. Yeah, so, so, so on that, I guess, have you ever felt uncomfortable about anyone's response or like, you know, ag you know, strongly agreed or strongly disagreed or felt challenged enough to kind of make you think, you know what? you know, come out of an interview and be like, mm, okay. Look, I don't, because of that whole empathy piece and trying to go, cool, well, why do they think the way that they do or why don't they? There's been, there've been like guests where I've gone, my audience will be totally divided on their opinion. And that has happened. But were you? No, because I think with every guest, I'll kind of go, there are parts in their story where I'm like, yeah, I wish I could incorporate more of that. Or there are parts in another woman's story where I'm like, oh yeah, I can empathize with that. So I personally don't sit there and go, oh God, walked away from that one being totally like, no, not a chance. Like I've learned so much from my guests, but um, when have I been uncomfortable? I wasn't uncomfortable with Khadija because we were talking about FGM, but I was uncomfortable because I started to really grasp the privilege that I have in my life and that I've never experienced the atrocities that she has and also what she's fighting for that I was uncomfortable that I was like, wow, again, how did I not know this was going on? So I think that's actually, as I'm literally saying this sentence out loud, all of these interviews have made me go, how did I not know this was going on? Living in the world I live in, I think being decently informed, how have I not known this? So at least instead of pretending like I know, I'm trying to seek out an understanding of it so I at least have a more rounded opinion. Now that you've got that sort of headspace, 
do you see things more now? Like, so, you know, if you're looking for a specific car, then suddenly you'll see that car driving around everywhere in the streets. Like now that you're tuned in a bit more to all these different stories and topics because of the fact you've done all these interviews, do you see it more? Do you see it in the news? Do you see it, you know, around you? Yeah, I actively now seek out trying to find either stories or learn from, but something that actually always comes up now when I have the experience that springs to mind was I once was having a conversation with a guy I know and, um, you know, he he comes from maybe lower middle class and he happened to say that he's like, I don't have white male privilege. And I was like, what makes you think that? And he kind of kept on extrapolating that because he didn't have money. And I was like, male privilege has nothing to do with the dollars in your bank account. And so if I'm ever in converse, like that was a moment where because I had done the interviews, because I at least had a formed opinion about actually, no, here's what it is, or here's what it is from my perspective, I can offer that back versus being like, oh, okay, he doesn't agree. Um, and then outside of that, yeah, I don't know, I've become utterly enthralled with all these kinds of aspects to try to learn, to try to understand, to try to grow, to try to not be a, an idiot walking around the street, just living in my own you know, world, only caring about myself. So... A lot of looking out, which I think is great. I've certainly benefited from your growth in this respect. But looking inwards, was there any episode that made you realize some harder truths about your own life? I know you've talked about, you know, realizing your privilege, but maybe a bit deeper than that. Like anything that sort of made you realize, shit, this is interesting about how I've been brought up or how I have been raised or what I've experienced. Like an emotional moment. You know, sometimes when someone else is relaying a story, it almost somehow deeply connects with you then you more so than what you had actually well, my perspective is just whack yeah and i need to I, my gosh i need to realign just some hard truths that you've had to confront yeah uh I've, i don't know if this is a basic response but i think the the hardest truth i've had to kind of come up against is that i think we're all in life living our own journeys and our own struggles but have i had real problems like other people have had Absolutely not. And have I lived in a world of utter privilege in contrast? Absolutely not. Whereas when you hear some of these stories, you're kind of like, wow, how lucky did I get? And to never have had to experience them. And so at least in that, I'm trying to then use what I can and do to share the story. I mean, I don't even know if that's answering the question. Like they've all woken me up. To You've gained perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I've gained perspective. But is there anything that's like made you look back to your own life, like someone sharing a story and you realizing actually shit, like maybe I went through something tough or, you know, you I mean, you spoke about a member of your family, you know, putting his hands around your neck, like a harder truth about, wait a second, that moment was something bigger than maybe I thought it was or, you know. I don't know if I have a specific example to offer, but throughout this whole podcast, have I learnt to... Have I been more reflective upon my life and then gone, oh, okay, for example, yeah, you, you know what, actually, as you're saying it, you are right. Exactly with that example. I kind of was like, oh, wow, it's so unfortunate when this happens to women. That's never happened to me because, mm. you know, I have a lot of friends who have had sexual assault happen to them. And I've been like, wow, I've never been in situations like that. I've never had someone take, um, have that power over me. And again, I think I either pushed it down, brushed it away, whatever. But yes, exactly in that moment, I'm like, oh, wait, no, actually I have, not to the degree of my friends. You're assaulted though. But I have been assaulted. And you're like, you're oh, <laughs> wow, hold on a second. 
wow, what does this mean? And so, yeah, I think that that has kind of happened and I have had those moments of reflection. But other than that, sure, I'm sure there's been little bits along the way, but I would be lying if I could throw something out at you just to make it up. Yeah. So on those notes of having like reflections, is there something you wish you'd asked a guest? If so, who and what was it? Every guest when they leave, I wish, or and I'm listening back, I, there are five extra questions I would have wished to ask them. Do any spring to mind more than my most recent anonymous sex episode? No. And again, that would have just been being huh. prodding and proking and asking more about their sex lives. <laughs> probably anonymous 2.0 is coming soon to yours. Yeah. Or, you, or, or really, it should just be a sex podcast now. Yeah, no, just <laughs> look, season, season seven. <laughs> the evolution it. is real. Yeah. Where are you going with this show? Yeah, exactly. Um, your, your bedroom. <laughs> I guess what, you know, I guess to wrap up reflections and, and the series that has been, um, what is one thing that sort of stuck with you through the making of the series, through the episodes, after the interviews? Is there something that's kind of, you know, apart from just learning more and being more reflective and having more perspective, you know, is there something or is there one thing that's really struck a chord with you or stuck with you? Every time, so I've listened back to my episodes Everyone has resilience, which is something I think that we should all, could all incorporate a bit more in our lives, I've certainly mm. realized. And so, yeah, I have moments where when you're going up against something or you're struggling with something, you're like, no, I just need to like tap into that. I think growth is what allows us to actually grow into who we're meant to become. And so I would say that's the, like the through line of every guest. They've all had challenges. They've all had strife, but they all had resilience to keep going. And of course, you always come out on the other end with hindsight being like, oh, this is better. So I guess, I guess on that, if you haven't had challenges, does that make you, I don't know, less, less responsive, less equal to comment? Uh, it depends, I guess, on if you what, what the challenges you have or haven't experienced. Yeah. Okay. No, I just meant more like, you know, you, like you were saying, you, you've obviously um, led a very privileged life. So, you know, what, um, what I guess what sort of comes to mind is it's like you, everyone has their own challenges, but you're obviously not in a position where you want to compare one person to the other, but finding that common thread of like resilience. Yeah. I mean everyone has their problems in life and I don't know I like I'm really into personal development and you know you read enough that through all of your growth and challenges it's making you into the person you're meant to become and your potential and la 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 so it's not la 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 though yeah of course it's important I, I, I know but you know Lisa loves when I get into this <laughs> and so I think it's more like if you're being challenged like you, it's, it's kind of up leveling you you know hmm. like you can only I was once read that you're only given a challenge as great that you can handle. So kind of when it's happening, instead of going, oh no, why me? It's like, all right, try me. Jumping onto the last theme of the episode, which is basically outlook, how you see the world now and what the change has been as a result of your podcast. I was going to ask how have you changed as a result of this series, but I feel like throughout the other questions you've answered it. Do you have anything else more you want to say on that? No? Okay, cool. So I'm going <laughs> to ask a different question, which is how do you think this series, the podcast Modern Women, has impacted the women who listen to it? Like, what's your feedback been? Have you heard of women telling you that they've changed or they've got new insight or they've learned something? I have, I get so much feedback from the anonymous episodes. Um, I got so much feedback, especially from the Sex, Love and Relationships anonymous episode. I had certain friendships 
certain uh, female friends reach out, I should say, who were like that one just absolutely hit home and really resonated for me and challenged me. Um, and then with some of the other guests, a lot of the feedback I'll get will be just like me. Oh, wow. I had no idea, but I'm so glad my eyes have been opened to X, which is something I love. Like, And that's the part of why I'm trying to not just get random guests who everyone knows and everyone knows their stories, but seek out women, other women, I should say, who are also doing exceptional things. Um, you know, even something like FGM, that one really struck a lot of people's cause because they were like, wow, how is this happening? How do I not know it's still happening? How did I have no idea it was happening in Australia? Um, and again, with the Thomas's trans episode, uh, people hadn't also ever experienced or had a trans friend, so they didn't or couldn't understand that kind of um, hardship that people are going through. And especially because I think it's so prolific in the current media and landscape, it's at least allowing people to have a better perspective when they're hearing, I think, sometimes bullshit commentary um, and politicians saying obtuse and horrible things. So again, more empathy. Um, yeah. But I think you are. Like, I think you've effectively broken down stereotypes on, with a lot of the guests you've had on, be it, you know, the episode with Michelle Shimmy, lawyer turned pole dancer. I know for a few people that opened their eyes about what it means to be a pole dancer. Um, and, you know, body positivity, having your guests on to speak about, you know, plus size models and that. Like, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit here about the fact that when you do listen to other people's stories, you get educated. Yeah, absolutely. And, if, and most of the time when you get educated, you have a new outlook. Yeah, and also you feel... A little bit less, um, uh, what's the word? Like you feel less um, crazy in your own head. Sometimes, you know, hearing these other other stories, you go, oh, the, you know, you're going through your own battle or you're going through your own hardship or you know what, that's actually okay. And and it, it brings up a change within you. And sometimes you didn't even realize that you needed that change or you needed to hear that voice. And then you hear that, like that episode or you hear that one question, you go, that's exactly where I am right now. What episodes have resonated for you both? <laughs> I know you're long-time listeners, if not forcibly so. Well, for me, most recently, I actually liked Simone Azzi. Like, oh, yeah, why is that? Just fucking unapologetic. Like, there was something for me refreshing about hearing someone be unapologetic for their views and opinions, knowing that it's probably not going to land great with everyone. And that, to me, resonates with me because sometimes I'm not apologetic for the way I view or say things or think about things and that listening to someone else be like that, it goes, oh, it's permissible for me to think like this. That's okay. Not everyone needs to agree. And that's fine. It doesn't make me wrong. Um, oh, for me, there's just so many. I, I feel like it really depends on what kind of mood I'm in, 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 you know, with who in particular I would resonate. But most recently, Christina, I found, yeah, I think money is – yeah, you know, money is just a not sexy topic and I definitely feel, you know, it's kind of like sex in that you don't always talk about it, you don't always understand it, you think you have a right to it or, or do you? And also just feeling empowered and being able to talk about money as a woman, like being able to talk about what you're entitled to and what you like what you deserve as a woman is just so important and being able to ask the question and being able to feel in, in control and educated and not reliant on somebody else is just exactly what we should all be doing like we just should feel educated which is exactly what the entire series is about but that episode most recently just stuck with me i didn't even to be honest when you first um when you first told me about about the episode i was really intrigued it was like not like any other guest as well. Like I, it wasn't emotional, but it was so 
connective for me. I don't, yeah. It was just empowering, yeah. Thanks, y'all. Okay. So, um, well, I guess we, you just spoke about your feedback and, and the audience that is, you know, Lisa and I who are listening. Um, <laughs> My two listeners. <laughs> your two <laughs> listeners who listen to it hundreds of times. <laughs> um, but what kind of impact has this podcast had on you as a whole? I feel like I've said enough times that it's opened my eyes to other people and their lives and their array of experiences. Like it has certainly created a much deeper empathy. Um, But the other bit is that I have so much more fun now and Mm -hmm. I have a new respect for women, their lives. And it also reminds me that I can get so much more out of my own. So outside of all of that, it also just makes me just so fiercely embrace being a woman and how exciting it is and the potential that I have and we all do. So what's, what's changed about the podcast from like series one at one to end of season three? I would say the structure's changed a little bit, but that's just like a technicality. Um, <laughs> but I would say that um, for myself, I'm way more critical. I've become a lot more comfortable and I challenge my guests a little more, mm. which again, I don't know if everyone, when they turn up, they know that this is what's going to happen, but I just kind of go, if we can get to the juicy stuff, then like you both, you both are sharing, everyone else will learn a whole lot more from it. So Outside of that, um, the changes also come when, again, I'll just get curious and be like, that's intriguing. Let me go explore that. You know, like I haven't kind of stuck to a certain structure, and although I do my best to try to. Yeah. So this next one's a simply worded question with a very complex answer. <laughs> What's wrong with men? <laughs> Loaded. Shots fired. <laughs> so many shots. Wow. <laughs> uh like, what is it? What the fuck is going on? Look, I don't, I feel like it's a, that's a huge question. And I don't think that I could simply say here is what's wrong with men. But I think that the privilege that they have is not always on merit alone. And it's also not theirs to possess, own, or now give to us. Like I find a lot of the conversation is like men should now give us 50%. But my question is, when did that become yours? Like when did men possess the 100% and now women should have at least 50? Like there's this broad sweeping statement whereas all of a sudden with men, we're kind of going down this line where we need to make sure that no one's getting offended, but women themselves have been having to deal with it for years. And so I think there's this huge aspect about respect. And I always have this line that my dad once said to me around, if a man doesn't respect women, he never respected his mother. And it just always make me, it just makes me kind of go, yeah, like where is the respect? Where is the not understanding that women can contribute so much more? We're not taking anything from you. Perhaps a collaboration will better. So I don't think that answers your question specifically because I know how critical you are. But <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about. No, I, but I, I hear what you're saying about the not taking. But at the end of the day, when there's a like a system that is leaning in favor towards men, which it has been for a long time, and women are demanding equality, men will inevitably lose privilege. And that is a frightening thing for men. And I think that's why we're getting so much hostility. Like they're not going to lose anything they were entitled to before. It's like affirmative action. This idea of, you know, lifting people up and giving them a head start to get ahead. It doesn't mean that the places that, you know, those with privilege had before was ever theirs, but they view it that way. Because when equality kind of occurs, people from the top come down and people from the bottom come up. Yeah. Yes. And and I guess the question is what's wrong with that? And perhaps because none of us are sitting at the top of the pyramid or the top of the mountain, we're like, why would you not want that? But at the same time, why would you not want to fix that inequality? 
then I've certainly learned that instead of more initiatives to fix women, we should be tackling the structures that underpin that equality personally. Like I know we speak about in Northern Europe where they enabled parental leave as opposed to having maternity leave for many years so that men just as much actually take the time to spend time with their children. And mm. it's not just placed upon women, which therefore, you know, breaks down a, a structure where women will become disadvantaged due to the fact that we are the ones who have children. So in terms yeah. of earning less money, you mean? Well, no, in terms of yes, but also in terms of like when you take maternity leave, it's going to take a hit to your paycheck, et cetera, et cetera, mm. which Christina actually covered mm. in that episode. And so, yeah, sure, men, what's wrong with them? I'm not sure. Hey, I don't live in their minds. We now have this whole conversation piece about toxic masculinity and then men's inability to share their emotions, be expressive. I don't know. Is that the crux of it? Is it that men feel they can't share who they are in themselves? Like Dan Doty covers that quite extensively. But I this goes back, like I cannot say here is my opinion and here's what's going to fix it. But I just kind of go, why would we not want to better it when either most men are married to women, may have a daughter. That's what I always think. Mm. Why would you not want the best for women if you may have a daughter one day? And then like, I mean, we all have friends who always say to us, oh no, I've had a daughter. I feel like it's my punishment for how I've been in life. And I just think to what? myself- Who are those people? Who? <laughs> no, I do not you know, know who when, those people are. You know when men I don't think I want to know who these people are. <laughs> You know when men make that joke and they're like, oh, I feel like it's my punishment. And it's just, sure, it's said in jest, but it is that idea. Uh, no, not all men. <laughs> uh, not all women. <laughs> so I guess when you're saying like the fix to it or how do we sort of enable women to get equality, it's about making sure we're not telling women that they're the problem. Like, you know, we should stop. Like, it's like that rape example, you know, don't tell women to be careful. Tell men not to rape. Yeah. Like, absolutely. so tell men. Yeah, do the right change thing. Change their behavior. Do the right thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Don't, don't, don't tell me to be at home at 11 p.m. Yeah. Um, so that um, I'm not putting myself into a situation. Oh, my God. I just realized. Don't go into the lion's den unless you want to get bit. Yeah. So, wow. When we were in <laughs> Europe, someone posted a Facebook status and it was, you know, 15 things women should do to feel safer on a weekend. And it was go home at 11 p.m. Go don't home. drink. Don't drink. Nothing good happens past 10 o'clock. And I remember reading it and thinking like, the, and there were some other obtuse comments. And I thought to myself. Did we flash back to the 60s? Yeah. I was like, sorry, what? And then so, you know, I provided a polite Outfit response. choice. Yeah. I provided a polite response. And then his response was like, men are lions. Don't go into the lion's den. You know, you'll get bit. And I was like, sorry, what? What? Huh? You're putting us on a public forum and. I think the best one was when you said, well, why aren't we telling men to change their behavior? And his response was, well, no, men get really upset when you tell them they're doing something wrong. Yeah. End of discussion. Yeah. Oh, my God. I totally just had a flashback. Mm. That was atrocious. I remember for three days I was like, this guy, what's he talking about? And I was gobsmacked that someone. Can I just point out, though, you actually you didn't see it on his page. You saw it on a woman's page. A woman had posted it sharing advice to other women and men. As like, a valid think, opinion yeah, so I think and a there's valid an, comment. There's an issue there about, well, maybe also women need to change their views on it's the problem is not with us. We don't need to mitigate our behavior necessarily. I shouldn't have to feel unsafe yeah. leaving the house at 11 p.m. And yet we do though. Friends, but we <laughs> yeah. do. And yes, you know, that's an inherent thing that, you know, is, is, is happening. You, you, you walk by yourself and you're in a, in a dark street and yeah, you think about my, like you, you inherently will just think about your safety. You will pretend to make that phone call, hold tighter onto your keys. I get it. I have been there. But that, and that's something that Thomas talks about in his book, how he goes once, you know, he's gone through his um, transition, he is jogging and he's jogging through Central Park 
and he realized he comes up behind a woman and she gets terrified and he goes, oh, that's right. He goes, I remember that feeling. So now when he's jogging, he'll be like, hey, I'm just coming up behind you. And he's letting them know that like nothing's going on. I'm just a man coming up because he knows that women have that inherent fear. I think you touched on it perfectly with Dan Doty as well when you said to him, you know, men want a safe space to be able to voice their feelings and opinions, whereas for a woman, a safe space is not getting assaulted or raped. And like, I think that stark sort of difference between what men view as a safe space and women is a real telltale sign of what the fuck is going wrong. Yeah. And, and, and like what's appropriate as well or what's funny, you know, you know, I've been in a situation where someone has actually just while crossing the road. Um, felt the need to come up and hug me and press themselves up against me. Oh my me. God, I remember. And I was immediately like taken back by it because number one, I wasn't expecting it, you know, broad daylight going for a run with my headphones in. Um, number two, I shouldn't have to even contemplate that happening. And number three, in no world, even if it's a joke or you're with your mates or someone's egging you on, do you ever get to come and invade my personal space or touch me? Like, I'm sorry, you know, that's just not appropriate. But yeah, it's like, feeling feeling safe yeah. is such it's it's part of our day-to-day that we really think about as women yeah mm. and i just think like women are starting from behind we know that but we're also at a point where we're kind of going hey i'm not doing this like i'm not allowing this anymore and mm. so i think we have to transform our workplaces our cultures and create spaces where women can thrive and it's also about other women helping other women as well and yes. you know being positive in that space it's not just men and women it's women and women as well you know that's also where the empowering sort of side needs to really keep thriving you Most know definitely. yeah but look yeah. i'm just going to call a spade a spade it's still mostly men oh, that is absolutely. my firm opinion yes women can do better and yes women play a role in this but it, look, I, i'm not going to paint a picture that everyone just needs to kumbaya and hold hands together yeah, that's definitely. not going to resolve this I don't My think, opinion. Yeah, no, but I don't think it's about a kumbaya. I think it's literally about, you know, people just coming to the fucking table, mm. you know, and recognizing, you know, it's not about having all the answers. It's actually just about being open to that change. And I just, you know, not everyone is. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's wrap this up, in, hey? In case anyone Let's, wondered if I had strong women around me in my <laughs> life. Where? <laughs> um, so, Nat, what is next for the series and what do you want out of the podcast now? Ooh, what's next for the series? Well, Lisa, uh, you'll just have to, I don't know if you teed me up for that one, mm-hmm. but uh, season four, February 7th, my 30th birthday. Woo-woo. It's not even on a Tuesday, so I don't know how uh, I'm going to wing that one. But anyway, uh, that'll be season four. I do have some changes. That's future Nat's problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nat and Lisa's. Nat, Nat 3.0 coming at you. Um, <sighs> but what else do I want to do? I do, I would love to do more interviews with women overseas. Um, again, down that Instagram rabbit hole. <laughs> I do Google's them. also pretty good. I do Google, darling. Anyway. <laughs> also, you can just validate that trip that you're going to go on and take both Lisa and I on. Exactly. To Belgium mm. together. <laughs> Research. Um, and then outside of that, yeah, I want to I wanna do more overseas interviews um, and kind of because that, that within itself will allow me to have a more cultural landscape of the women I interview. Yes, sure. I live in Australia. There are an array of women. I understand this before anyone tells me that. <laughs> but living in another country also gives, again, different perspectives or being even Australian living in another country gives you a different perspective. So, yeah, I just want to keep diving down the rabbit hole and learning and researching and, yeah. Okay. So, I guess, you know, you're going to be 30. Um, very soon. And what does Natalie Dronovac in 2020 look like? Like, you know, what kind of experiences are you hoping to have? Um, what are you hoping to avoid as well? (laughs) 
I know, unpack, right? Yeah. I was like, is this therapy? Yeah. I mean, look, I started this year in therapy feeling remar- remarkably sad being bullied. So look at me now, world. <laughs> Who knows where I'll be at the end of next year. Um, I hope I'm still wearing linen robes like I am right now. Um, but all jokes and jests aside. Uh, yeah, we told Re- uh, Nat to relax before this episode. So she's literally put a dressing gown on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway happy 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 space <laughs> um what do i hope for i would like to do it's going to sound so basic um but i would like to do more travel i would like to um, be able to spend more time on this podcast i would like to create more content and um for me myself something that i've come to learn is that i used to think that if i was one aspect of myself i could not be the complete polarity of that and very fortunately through my relationship with Lisa, she always encourages the other aspects and being like, no, there is a whole of you and you should explore all of that all at once. And so I just want to keep understanding all those parts of myself, if that sounds simple, but not. That was definitely not a simple answer. So, mm-hmm. or, 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 or a basic answer mm-hmm. as What's you called come? it. Um, so what do you want to avoid then? Apart from this question. <laughs> <laughs> What do I want to avoid? What are you I sick of? What did What did you spend too much time on in 2019 that you're like, fuck that, I'm done. What do you want no to more. like, Marie Kondo? Oh, so up until I discovered this 21,000 days thing, I would waste time worrying about stuff that just doesn't happen, like that just shit that doesn't matter. And so I... What shit? No, so do, do, do you want me to explain 21,000 days? Yeah. So I read an article and this number stuck with me for ages and I kept on thinking about 21,000 days and it's like by a certain age, you only have 21,000 days till you die. And so I wrote down the number and then I would just cross it off at the end of every day and it started to make me go, wow, did I even utilize that day? Like have I wasted a day of my life that I fundamentally cannot get back? And so when you're counting down, it makes you so much more aware and it also has made me do things that I usually wouldn't do or even those moments when you're being lazy and you're thinking, oh, I'm tired, I'd rather take a nap. I'm like, no, 21,000 days. So I'm just leaping at new opportunities and saying yes to a lot more things. And so that has given me a fresh perspective and also just when you say, what are the things I want to avoid? All the stuff that doesn't excite me, like instead of just, absent-mindedly saying yes to things because you feel you have to like I just don't do that much anymore so I don't know you only know what you want to avoid when it's kind of in your face Mm. okay great all right that's it from us that's it rocking it out guys thanks so much let me ask you my final question before our interview wraps up (laughs) you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and what would you say don't give up and Farah it's okay to change Boom. Thank you so much, ladies. Hang on. Hang, Hang on. on. Whoa. Okay. We're interviewing here. Oh. I thought we just said- We get the last question. <laughs> <clears throat> You're standing in front of a room of 10,000 men. <sighs> what do you tell them? Move out of our way. Ah, oh, boom. Hmm. Cute. All right, we're done now. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.